Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm Andrew Louder, founder and CEO of Dallas-based consulting firm Louder Co. There's so many great people innovating in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. This podcast aims to highlight them, the amazing things they're doing, and get behind the scenes on their approach and on them personally. At my company, Louder Co., we're the innovation specialists business leaders turn to when their organization must perform better. Artificial intelligence, business transformation, and venture building projects are usually very stressful. Not with us. We believe your business will soon begin losing without an AI strategy. We create AI strategies to accelerate operations and create revolutionary new technology products. We do that because we're tired of seeing businesses that keep letting bad operations kill their growth. Through change initiatives like creating innovation hubs, improving processes, and instilling technologies, we transform companies to perform better and grow faster. Our gift to you for listening is access to our free Intro to Artificial Intelligence Guide. We hit on what is AI, where's it going, and how to get it into your business. Get that free guide at louderco.com slash intro to AI. We look forward to serving you. Visit us at louderco.com for more information, insightful content, and ways to schedule our first conversation. Thank you for listening and on to our show. All right. Welcome to the show today. We have Melody Ayeli as a special guest. Um, we are live on the Dallas Space Innovators podcast brought to you by Louder Co. Uh, my guest, Melody, is Director of Software Licensing and Complex Acquisitions uh, over at Toyota North America and also VP of Technology at a startup uh, called Canaries, focusing on diversity and inclusion. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Happy to be here. All right. Um, well, how about this? Let's jump into, you know, just give us a brief uh, one to two minutes uh, bio. Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I work at Canaries and uh, there I, I guide the technology decisions for uh, some of the work that uh you help with as well, Andrew. That is correct. <laughs> we are teammates at Canaries. Yes, yes. Great teammates. And um, at Toyota, I work in the office of the CIO. So that uh, software licensing and complex acquisitions is really working with our vendors to um, you know, build partnerships and help us get the, um, the products and services we need to help our technology be at the next level. Wow, that's cool. So you work with the the CIO there at Toyota quite quite often, I imagine. Uh, yes, yes, uh, quite often, and you know I work for him. You know I think you know we uh, um, it's not just really for the CIO; it's it's really for the whole company. You know, yeah, we serve the entire company outside of our IS department to uh, provide the technology needs we need to move forward as a mobility company. And Toyota's taken a lot of strides, and. Um, when they moved into Dallas, I mean, that was such an uplift to the, to the city. So many people moved in, made such a difference uh, here in, in so many different ways. Uh, elevated talent, increased uh, real estate, uh, all, all kinds of cool things that Toyota's brought uh, to the Dallas Metroplex. Oh, yeah. They love giving back to the community. Yeah. I think it's been such a great thing to have them here. And it's funny, when I mention to people, I've lived here most of my life. 
But when I mention to people that I work at Toyota now, they're like, oh, that's so great. You guys did this and that, and it's such a great company. And I hear it from people outside of the company. And it just really makes me feel good because I only joined about a couple of years ago and I didn't realize the impact they, they were making in the cities they were based at the time because they were removed in other states. And now I'm really seeing how much effort and, and um, how much they give back to the communities that they're located. That's great, yeah. They've, they've done a lot to really get into the community here in Dallas and try to make a, an impact right away. Yeah. It's great. Okay, so how did we meet? How did we meet? Like the first time? Yeah, Mo- I think it moment. was um, when you were you were working at Canaries, and um, I was about to be brought into the group. Right? I feel like you reached out to me. Probably. Does this, make, does this sound and you were, you're, I think it was to vet me out, make sure I would fit in. Wait, did anyone say anything? <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> No, 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 I was supposed to, I think you were already brought on. That was just like a welcome, because, you know, okay. who needs to vet you I don't out? Know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought it was a formality, really. <laughs> right, It's a exactly. big waste of time. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so before coming to Dallas, where, where were you? Where, where were you from? What brought you here? Ooh, before Dallas, I was from New York originally, but I came here fairly soon after as a Pretty much a toddler. So okay. at, at that time in the 80s, uh, Manhattan wasn't the best place for a little kid to grow up. Uh, and uh, Dallas, uh, believe it or not, has been kind of stable in opportunities since since the 80s. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that came here were, you know, they were here for work. So my mother moved here for that and to be near family. Um, and then I, I pretty much lived here most of my life, except for a brief, you know, four-year period in, in Austin, and then a couple of abroad, uh, you know, educational experiences in Turkey and Hong Kong, and then... Wow, uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and then Deloitte for 12 years. That was, uh, I was basically, I was technically living here in Dallas, but spending most of my time elsewhere traveling. Yeah, a lot of travel related to the work. Yes. And you mentioned four years in Austin. You are a proud Texas Longhorn. I am, yes. And this weekend is Texas OU weekend. So yeah. I, I wish I could say um, I am very optimistic. Uh, but this oh, year, okay. no, each year. So, so since I left college around the mid-2000s, um, you know, we haven't had the best record for Texas yeah, OU weekend, sure, yeah. right? So I try not to get my hopes up. But this year I'm told Texas is doing really well. And so I am a little optimistic, but, you know, just trying not to, you know, have any conclusions before. And I want to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, you're a good fan then, I think. <laughs> From my standpoint, anyway, as an Aggie, um, no offense. Wait a minute. I don't... You're an Aggie? Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you purposely withhold this information from me? You knew this. <laughs> You've known this for a long Maybe time. Maybe I purposely blocked this out. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always been an Aggie for a long time now. Really? Yes. And uh, I'm I'm rooting for the Sooners this weekend. Wait, is this just like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of situation? <laughs> and if my friend is my enemy, <laughs> I think that's an office quote, right? Is it? I think it's a Dwight Schrute office quote. Oh, that quote. office. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of office space on accident. There's a lot of good quotes in that too. Yeah. Okay. So also, weren't you... Uh, just recently, you were in a big AI summit. I was, the AI summit in San Francisco. Tell yeah. us about that. What was that like? 
It was great. You know, I, yeah. I've been there before. So I went there their, their first year of having the conference. And it's a global organization that, that holds this AI uh, gathering of AI professionals um, and executives, um, you know, in different cities each year. And I can say the first year, um, I think they didn't anticipate how many people would be interested in attending. And wow. it was extremely crowded. And that one, I was just an attendee while I was at Deloitte. And I was just kind of blown away. I went to that, that um, conference to kind of vet out some AI solutions for procurement data that we wanted to analyze and try to see where we can take our, uh, the practice that I was involved in to the next level. And I was surprised by all the other AI applications that I saw in different areas amazing, of business. It? it is. Yeah. It really is. So, so this was the fourth year they had it. I went there and it's funny because some of the, um, you know, the products that they had unveiled at the first year still hadn't made it to market. Wow. And yeah, I, I, I made sure, when, so this time I was speaking and I made sure to point that out as one of the points in my, in my presentation in my, actually it was a fireside chat, nice. a keynote. And, um, I pointed out that, you know, it takes so long and a lot of companies underestimate how long it takes. Right. And, um, you know, the, and part of that isn't really their fault, but it's difficult to estimate uh, the time and the cost for these AI projects when there's so many unknowns. And right, right now we have a lot of those unknowns. And, um, you know, a lot of um, typical projects that are not AI related, um, they're evaluated based on that on time and cost mm -hmm. and when am I going to see the results? And if it's not in this fiscal year or next fiscal year, you know, whatever executives that you're asking to look at it, um, you know, are they going to be motivated to help support it? I mean, how often do you see executives in a position more in the same position for more than three to five years? Yeah. You know, not, not that often, not that often. And so, you know, some of the, the points that I made were, making sure that you're aligning your, your AI project to the company's overall vision and objectives, and then finding multiple uh, areas of support within the leadership of that organization so that if some of them move around, you still have some stability, some consistency in that support. And then also making, you know, making it aware uh, to those individuals that this is not going to be a uh, ROI situation. You're going to have to be bought in for the results that help get the company to a certain point. Um, either, you know, to transform the business to, uh, you know, something new or prevent the company from, you know, falling behind. Right. And so it's not going to be a straight ROI calculation you're going for. And once they're bought into that, I think those projects tend to um, succeed a little more. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you on a lot of that. I mean, it's these for companies that have never done AI before, you know, typically I'll tell them bite off something you could chew, do something that's manageable, a, a bit smaller, really start getting, um, you know, your feet under yourself, some experience, some quick wins. And, uh, you know, that helps accomplish a, a number of things. A, I mean, it's, it builds some confidence, not just in the people, the project team itself, but in the executive team. Um, I think it kind of helps establish some parameters on um, knowing, you know, are we even AI ready? You know, how, do we have the right data? Do we have the right people in place? 
Um, I have to shamelessly plug an AI readiness assessment that Louderco is doing. Ooh. Where we answer those very questions. Nice. <laughs> right. We look Wait, at, can I get the assessment? <laughs> you can get the assessment. And I'll tell you how. No. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we do look at things like the t- how, re- how ready are your operations? Are your people ready? The culture? Do you have the right data? All the technical aspects that you need to be ready. The cloud and uh, cloud infrastructure, all those things. And so and to hear you say it takes a long time, yeah, it, it does. Oh, gosh. Uh, but man, the, the longer ones are uh, obviously a lot more complex. So um, at the conference, there was a company I, I sat in and listened to different presentations. And one company was talking about how they were spending three years trying to get their a new cloud environment ready just to you know prepare the data lake for the AI solution uh, that they were going to build. They hadn't even started yet. So three wow. years just to prepare that cloud environment, for that data lake. And then they, they will start the AI solution after. So... You know, when you say the cloud readiness, that made me think of that. You know, yeah. how how maybe companies who aren't ready are spending that extra time. Yeah. You know, and then you know the the challenge is the project team that they they don't know this and they're kind of put um, they get the heat. They're like, you know, why didn't you know this? You know, right, uh, yeah. you know, and so really, it's it's important because um, we all want to make these solutions. Um, succeed. We want to help mm-hmm. them succeed. And, um, it's challenge. It's hard to find the right people to get them informed of what they need to know in advance. Um, you know, before they start the project and they've set the wrong expectations right. initially. Yeah. What, what I've seen is I think some, uh, other project sponsors or organizational leaders have a really hard time kind of bringing the AI um, deliverables and outcomes into tangible, measurable things. You know what? I think a lot of leaders view AI as really pie in the sky, and so how how do we make it more tangible and lay out these are the exact deliverables you're getting? It's going to be a it's going to be a, a web platform. It's going to be a mobile app, whatever it may be, to really tie it back to what what that hard uh, hard uh, piece of uh, build out it's going to be and then how do we tie it all back to the ROI yeah and that, that's part of what I was trying to make the point earlier some of them you're not going to be able to get a solid ROI calculation so some some examples are you know the AI solutions put in right now when, when I was there I was talking to some you know automotive uh, focused companies and you know they were talking about improving the experience inside the car with AI how do you measure that? How do you how do you right. measure the experience of the driver in yeah. the car? How do you translate to dollars? Um, you know, Canaries, for example, we have an AI chatbot. Mm-hmm. How do we translate the ROI on that? Yeah, oftentimes it's not a direct calculation of dollars. It's user experience. Right. Exactly. It's happiness level, you know, satisfaction. Yeah, and that satisfaction, I mean, it's not going to be a direct calculation. Right. You, you'll see your numbers improve, it'll be challenging to attribute them to the AI solution. Um, it kind of reminds me of the whole diversity and inclusion argument. Mm-hmm. How do you tie in that diverse teams and teams that include diverse talent perform better? Every time you make that case, any you know um, uh, analysis that comes out from McKinsey or another company, 
that shows that companies that have diverse talent perform better, well, it gets challenged by executives to say, well, show me directly how it, it correlates or how it calculates to the better profit. Uh, you know, you can't because we can't measure every single factor, right. but we can notice a pattern right. and make some deductions from that. Yeah. And with diversity and inclusion, I think, I mean, the direct tie-in is with culture. You know, how, how strong is the culture, uh, retention, you know, how often are you being sued, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that for uh, being sued for bad behavior. But uh, no, back kind of in regards to the ROI and AI conversation, yeah, you know, a lot of these a lot of these um, AI related um, features are are just that they're selling points. Like, let's say, what would happen if uh, iPhone you know, didn't come out with Siri, you know, or Toyota didn't come out with the connected services that they're offering? You know, it, it's it's uh, pushing the the needle forward, uh, oftentimes, and being more innovative and establishing better solutions, better products, and yeah, the tie-in is it can be challenging, but uh, oftentimes it is um, it is rather important. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Let's talk more AI. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you might have to come back another time and just focus on AI only. Yeah, I would love to. That'd be it's awesome. Okay. So how about this? Let's let's get into a bit more of um, some of the challenges related to. Let's focus on canaries. Okay. Okay. What are some of the big challenges that canaries is is trying to solve for? You know, I think uh, canaries right now, is the challenges we're trying to solve are providing a neutral platform, a safe and neutral platform for employees to share their experiences and for employers to see that data and understand what they need to do in order to uh, make improvements to reach their objectives. Yeah, and for those that aren't aware, we're talking... Um, about a startup here in, in Dallas called Canaries. Um, if you've heard of the story of the canary in the coal mine, you know the the miners would use canaries to, as a test to, to verify whether they're entering a, a toxic work environment. So they'd find out if these canaries end up dying. You know, hey, it, it's it's toxic. Let's not go in there. And so Canaries has created a, a web-based platform where they're going to be tracking data and um, on various diversity inclusion metrics and really utilizing that data to drive accountability and, and creating a more inclusive workplace. Uh, you mentioned the AI chatbot. I think that's just the beginning. Oh, yeah. As it relates to AI. More There's more to come in that. Um, and as we've alluded to, uh, Melody and I are teammates at Canaries. You know, we're, we're part of the founding team and we're doing some, some amazing things there. I think we've got a great team. We have an amazing team. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's great to see because they're, most of the team really came and approached us and wanted to get involved. A lot of companies have to go out and recruit talent. But for us, so many people who heard about Canaries came and said, you know, we want to get involved. And I, I wasn't anticipating that. I'm one of the you know, first people that was involved, you know, the, the first five. And, uh, you know, that was um, great to see because we, we thought we'd have to go and continue looking. But um, yeah. we've had such amazing people come up. I think, it's, I think anyway, it's a testament to the mission. Yes. It's a testament to our leaders. Yeah. So the three founders, Mandy Price, Benny King, Star Carter, uh, when I first met them, I was blown away. 
you know, they're just so down to earth. I think so brilliant in what they're striving to solve for here. And um, I just felt like I had to get involved. How did you meet them? I was I was connected through um, a, a mutual uh, friend of Mandy's and, and mine named Dodie Crockett. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I've heard of her. So let me shamelessly plug Social Venture Partners. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Social Venture Partners is a nonprofit here in Dallas. Well, it's international, but our Dallas chapter about 190 or so professionals. Uh, as a group, we provide pro bono consulting services to nonprofits, and we help um, spread the word on social impact investing. And so I won an award, believe it or not. Yes, through Social wow. Venture Partners, called the Doty Crockett Award. Oh. And um, I was like, man, I, I, I've never met Doty. I'd love to reach. So I reached out to Doty. We had coffee. And it sparked a, a, a wonderful friendship. And at one of those coffee sessions, she's like, have you met Mandy Price? She's doing something really great at Canaries. So she made the, the connection there. And um, the rest is history, I suppose. That's amazing. I've never asked you that question. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so Dodie, Dodie's amazing. Um, she's, I, I had coffee with her the other day, and I had to thank her for making the intro. Yeah. Really life-changing stuff. Um, so, yeah. So how... How would you describe some the your main focus at Canaries? What do you what are you striving to achieve? Uh, well, I mean, I think one cool thing about a startup is that everyone I feel like everyone has a common goal. We want to yes. see this product launched and successful, and really providing what people are missing and need from it. Um, specifically for me, because my background it's technology focused, yep. but. As I know you know, and I and know I've experienced, when you're part of a, a smaller team that's starting up a company, you do basically anything needed to right. be done to get it done. So it may not be technology focused, even if it, you've never done this kind of work before, you just lean in, jump in, really, right, yeah. and you do whatever you can to make it work. And it's really because you want to see it succeed. It's not because someone asked you to do right. it. You know, and and as one thing I've seen in in our team is. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to ask someone to do something. People just offer to help yeah. because we want to see it be prepared and ready and there for people as soon as possible. Right. No, you're exactly right. I mean, we're driven by the mission, and um, a lot of people think startups are so glamorous. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, <laughs> if they think it's glamorous, they they uh, they have the wrong perception of what wrong- it is. <laughs> That's right. And I mean, we're, it's, it's a lot of just nitty gritty. It's, it's not all that glamorous. It's not all that sexy, but, uh, it can be, I mean, that's what we're striving for. Right. But, uh, I think a lot of people see the startups yeah. after like down the road, right. Once they've made it in the public spotlight, I think Canary has been a little different in this regard and that we've gotten a lot of publicity. Um, not that we've looked for it, but right. just naturally, uh, from the start almost, yeah. um, a lot of companies would really want that kind of attention early on, but I think it's because of the mission. You know, well, this is one of the, one of a kind. What I think will be fun is if we, let's, if we were to play this episode again, five years from now and, and look to, okay, like right now our main focus is the Dallas area, but let's say we're going to look back, we're going to look ahead five years from now and we're going to, we're going to double check this time right now. And we're going to be global. Absolutely. We're going to be everywhere. Right. Actually, I think um, some people have already asked, can we put in global companies? 
So that shows again how people right. want to see this information. Yeah. They want to share their experiences. And we, you know, our goal is to make that platform. Right. Well, I think what'll be cool is when people come across it for the first time in five, you know, five years from now, and they'll think it's an overnight success. Yeah, right. <laughs> they won't understand the amount of work that's been put into it. And I think, um, you know, some of us were more experienced in startups than others. Um, but for me, that was, I was relatively new to the startup area. Uh, I was surprised to go and see other startups and how they started because you know, that was part of the research process. How do we get some of the data initially? And um, from that, I learned how much work was put into some of these large companies that we see today and, you know, how many years it took. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't just come, you know, by itself. There's a lot of effort put in by that founding team. And then at some point, you know, people, um, you know, the public helps. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think we, we lose sight. So Dallas has so many Fortune 500 headquarters here. Yes. And we forget that a lot of them were started here. And many have moved in. Right. Because Dallas thinking, is a great yeah. place, <laughs> great place for business. But a lot of them have, I mean, let's pick on Mary Kay. Yes. I, we okay. forget that it had to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. I, I remember being, you know, a little kid here driving in Dallas and seeing the, the pink cars. Yeah. The <laughs> there, pink there were a lot of pink. Yeah. There were a lot of pink Cadillacs yeah. when I was little. Maybe we need to but do for Canary some yellow Cadillacs or something. Actually, that, that's funny because I did consider getting a yellow car, <laughs> a yellow sports car. And yeah, having that Canaries would be cool. that would be very on the cool. license plate. Make it happen. <laughs> Actually, Make I it. think we need a company car with that. Yes. Everybody gets one. Maybe one day. All right, so let, let's jump back into some of these questions. Um, okay, you, you've accomplished so much in your career. You've, well, uh, yes, but... With a lot left. With a lot left, yes. exactly. I mean, I that, that's that how that we're way, built, yeah. right? I mean, we're, <laughs> right. we... I don't know about you. I don't, it's hard for me to enjoy accomplishments. I'm always kind of looking ahead. Well, exactly. Actually, yeah. I recently read an article saying, you know, don't say your goals out loud because then your brain naturally feels like it accomplished something by saying it. Oh, so okay. I, I didn't realize, but I, I've always been a little bit more, I don't like to talk about what I've done. I will right. today for you, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> but, but in generally, yeah. I like to focus on what I want to do right. going forward. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but let's take a look back. Sure, <laughs> just for you. <laughs> what do you wish you had known when you started your career? Ooh. What would you tell yourself today? Or what would well, you go? What would you want to tell your yourself back in the back when you first started? I would want to tell myself go and understand how to navigate politics better. Mm. You know, I think for a long time I resisted. You know, the fact that. Um, we have to navigate politics there, you know, um, I, I guess I thought if I approached it differently mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have to deal with it. But what I've learned is every company everywhere has politics and, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a negative thing, Yeah. Uh, you know, and figuring out how to navigate it in a positive way and improving the experiences for the people around you is uh, impactful. It's very important and it helps um, really, it's uh, the job of a leader is to um, 
set that tone and help everybody um, work with each other in a productive and positive way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something I had to learn through experience of doing things, you know, right and wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I think I'm in a much better place today. Um, you know, but I, you know, imagine 15 years ago when I started my career after college, right. you know, um, you know, how things would have been different if I was earlier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's insightful. Yeah. I think, I think college uh, courses should actually, they really should. <laughs> they really should. And it really kind of prepare you for that. Right. Yeah. You don't get the, uh, the lessons like that. You get the no. technical skills and like, Hey, yeah. make this project. But Really, it's the other stuff yeah. that helps you. Because when you're on the job, you learn on the job a lot of times. Would you say the, the positive side of politics is buy-in? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the effort it takes to um, work with people to help them get on board and understand why um, is a little bit of politics. Yeah. You know, it's um, it takes more effort, and I think, for that reason, maybe some people don't want to do it, but the reward is often really great, and you often can get through things a lot sm- more smoothly. Right. And um, or you know, in general, you can get through them if you do this. You know, um, there's so many great ideas I saw that they didn't approach them properly. They just kind of try to ram them through without getting everyone's yeah. buy-in, and. They were unsuccessful, even though it was a great idea. And, you know, I'd see, you know, companies that needed it. You know, it's it's the approach. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm kind of going through that right now. I'll have to fill you in off air. Oh, really? <laughs> I hope it's not Canaries. <laughs> it's not. Okay. It's not. Okay. Um, how about, how about uh, tell me a bit about who or what's really influenced you throughout your career. Ooh, that is hard to pinpoint one person because um, I think I've learned a little bit of something from everyone. It's a weird answer, I think, right? <laughs> no, it works. <laughs> um, every, you pick up a little bit along your journey? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Every single person from like, you know, the top executive who really knows how to navigate everything and, um, to, you know, a, a, an employee that maybe um, is new and approaching things differently to employees that have been somewhere for a real long time and are kind of, you know, um, not in the greatest morale. Each one of them has taught me something from their perspectives. Um, you know, you decide what you take away from each conversation, but um, each of them has shaped, you know, who I am and how I want to be. Yeah. And, um so it's really hard for me to say that one person's helped me. I've kind of had to look um, inward and see what really makes me feel good about how I act to, um, you know, not, I think a lot of people try to have an idol or a a person that they look at, but no one's perfect. And I've, I've had those in the past and thought, okay, this person's great. And they would almost, I would learn something and feel like, well, that was not a great choice. And then I picked right, someone yeah. else. And then again, yeah. so now we're instead of that, yeah, right. We're all human. We're I, I try to look at the positive of different people and learn from the negative to, you know, change it. Yeah. I like that. I love this question. I get so many great answers from such insightful guests. That's cool. Okay. So let's move into the lightning round. Lightning round. Lightning. Okay. 
What's your coffee of choice? Um, mainly black coffee. Sometimes I'll put a little bit of, um, don't laugh, bulletproof brain octane oil. Dang. I don't work for them, by the way. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's, that explains a lot, though. Are you saying I'm brainy? I'm saying you're bulletproof. Oh, <laughs> a bulletproof brain. Awesome. Well, I mean, it, it's it actually. I don't know if it actually makes your brain, you know, um, but you more feel focused. something, right? I do. I don't feel as hungry, and I think when you're not ah. hungry, you can focus on other yes. things. I can agree with that. <laughs> okay, uh, what's your adult drink of choice? So, this is tough because the past several months has been frosé. But <laughs> as you know, if you live in Dallas and you saw the weather it, today, cold. October 11th, yes, it is cold. It's like winter. It's here. Sometimes, we didn't even have fall. Well, actually, sometimes you have all four seasons in one day. Yeah. So, we did have fall, I think, for an hour today. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know what to drink on a warm day. I think I'm needing some help there. What, Hot with, chocolate. Well, with Kahlua? You said adult drink of choice. Pardon me. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually. I don't do hot drinks. No, you know what? Um, either Frosé or I'd recently learned how to make this espresso kind of vodka <laughs> drink that's actually really good. That does sound kind of interesting. I'm going to make one for you one day. I don't, I don't know if I'll have that. Um, okay. Um, are you a morning person or a night person? Night, definitely. Okay, that was quick. Well, actually, I take that's that's it's not that quick. I'm a night person, but I'm happier in the morning. Okay. So I don't know what that really means. You're, pro you're probably okay with both. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what are some routines you've set for yourself? Uh, I think um, so. Lately, I've been doing intermittent fasting, and I don't know if that's a routine really. I mean, you have certain times that you can and can't eat. Right. So that's like closest I get to routine. Um, and it's because it's of all the benefits, the health benefits that I've read about it. But it's funny, actually, I was just mentioning to someone maybe yesterday that I am anti-routine. Um, it's hard for me to follow things. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same way. You are. Yeah, I get bored with routines. Yeah, I can't do something for too long. I have to change things up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if whether it's my career or even when I wake up in the morning or what I do after work or what I do at work, I have to change it up. Yeah. I remember being in college and um, it, I, I can't recall what, what company we were uh, touring, but I just saw these people sitting in all these cubicles and I just couldn't imagine life where I'm living, sitting and breathing all day long in cubicles. Is this because we have a consulting background or were we consultants because we were like this? I think the latter. Okay. Because, I mean, I, I like taking on new clients, taking on new work, you know, being in new environments, being able to have podcast conversations, coffee meetings. <laughs> I mean, it's, I need all that. But, uh, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Definitely an extrovert. I can see that. I can see that. But, uh, well, so there's a scale, you know. I don't. You don't know about I the don't. scale. Well, I, so I think there are different assessments. 
one, maybe Myers-Briggs or something uh, similar. Yeah. But, um, you know, on a scale of introvert and extrovert, I, I lean towards extrovert. But, you know, I have moments where I'm an introverted person and it's usually like when I'm, you know, I've had enough extroversion for a while <laughs> and I want to just reflect. Yeah. And, and I think people who are introverts, um, I've, I've read that they do tend to uh, think about their decisions a little more. You know, maybe because they have, you know, less time that they're, you know, being outgoing or, yep. or whatever. But it, it it's sometimes introverts make good decisions because of that. So yeah, good point. I think I try to maintain a balance. But, you know, now that you asked me, I'm wondering about you. Have you answered this question before? I have. And I believe I am an extroverted introvert. Is that an ambivert? I have no idea. <laughs> Like uh, I, 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 you know, I, I believe to, I am at my core an introvert. Okay. But can break out of my shell upon occasion. What breaks you out of that shell? Sometimes I literally just sit in the car and tell myself that I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sit there and be like, all right, man, you can do this. Get out there. Let's go. I have to amp myself up. I'm not kidding. Well, that's better than I thought you were going to go. Because you said in the car. I'm like, you're just going to break out and start being extroverted. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. But uh, I mean, in all actuality, that's kind of is (laughs) what it is. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So last one here. What do you look forward to the most each weekend? Oh, spending time with my kids. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, most of the weekdays, they're at school, and I only get the weeknights and the mornings with them. And it's, it's funny, I, I was thinking about this recently. Our, our kids and ourselves, we're spending our, most of our time at work and school yep. and not with our families that are so important to us. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You know, I've also read that, you know, if you're with people too much, and it's not necessarily better it's the quality of time, not the quantity. Mm-hmm. But um, because I haven't had that time with them, I try to make the best of my weekends. And it's really a time that I feel like I can, you know, help guide them and shape you know, yeah. what kind of people they are. And it's, it's just so great. They're, they're five and seven right now, two boys. Yeah. And they're like at perfect ages where they just say the funniest things. Yeah, I see your Instagram stories. Looks like y'all are doing some cool stuff. Oh yeah, but I don't even put the funny things. In there, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you shared some good. Uh, I think you made a good point to me a few weeks ago, where you were like, "Why do some people um, treat their family members worse than they treat, you know, non-family members?" Oh yeah, I think. And it made me really think about that because I think sometimes we put family on the back burner or. Because they know they're going to be there, maybe. Take them for granted, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think that's, I mean, that's, not not obviously obviously everyone does that. Right. But I think it's more, um, it's more common in certain cultures, just because it's taught, especially, um, you know, part of the culture back when I have is Middle Eastern, and it's, you know, they're known to be a very hospitable um, community, in general, um, and if um, they're, you know, catering to guests, um, you know, they're going to have to focus less on whoever's closest to them. So there kind of has to be a balance. I right. Think. Oh yeah. 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 You're right. 
No, I just thought it was, it was great, uh, a great point and really made me think a little bit. Appreciate okay. you sharing that with me. <laughs> of course. Uh, okay, so how, it, let's, let's kind of bring the, the show to a close. How does anybody, how does someone reach out to you or, or you know, um, how can they learn more about you? Lately, so reaching out to me lately, the best way is LinkedIn. Uh, it's funny because there was a time where, you know, phone calls were the best. Now I don't answer phone calls as much as <laughs> I know the person. And, Me um, neither. And then it was emails. And uh, as experienced by you and I earlier today, check your <laughs> I don't email. always check my email anymore. And it's text message. Uh, but without you know having my phone number, <laughs> which I'm not yeah. going to share on the air, uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the place where I'll, I'll get notified and I answer people. So that's what, the best cool. way. Very cool. Melody, this has been fun. Thank you yes, so much for your fun time. Yes, it's fun to me too. Uh, thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you all for listening to the Louder Co. Dallas-based Innovators Podcast. I'm Andrew Louder, signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit LouderCo at louderco.com for more. Thank you again, and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.